The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, Adam, part of that sentence is kind of a lie today, but uh, only half, only half a lie. But before we get into the reasons why, rhyme there. That's uh, that's what we call a rhyme here in the business. Um, how you doing? Welcome to our shared podcast that we both co-host. It's always an honor to join Doctor Seuss on his Brewers podcast. So I'm very pleased to be here. I don't think it's a lie. Listen, I think we're talking about the Brewers. I walked through the Dr. Seuss world at Universal Orlando yesterday. So I, I think just, just inspiration in your, struck. In your bones. Yeah, I, I live this now. Um, Adam, we've, we've been uh, watching spring training games for, I guess, a little over a week now. Um, the things that we'll talk about for the next three weeks until baseball, regular season baseball, is finally back in front of our faces. All those things are things like figuring out how the bullpen's going to shape up for the Brewers. What options will Craig Council have at his disposal during the season? Who's going to uh, begin opening day in that fifth starter spot? Is it going to be Wade Miley? Is it going to be Adrian Hauser? Are they going to go with a six-man rotation? 
Uh, how's the outfield going to shape up? Sal Freelix looked pretty good uh, with the bat, those contact skills. Joey Weimer's had some nice moments. Abraham Toro, uh, an infield mm-hmm. or utility guy, hitting the ball hard. But those are all conversations we'll save for another day. There are things on our mind every day, and we're going to have plenty of time to talk about them. But today, as you're listening to this, March 7th, uh, at 10 p.m. Central Time, uh, a little event called the today, World Baseball. Today is, is March 6th. When people listen to it, it well, will for sure be March 7th, but it won't be 10 p.m. Central Time. Uh, it might be, it, but I doubt it. The The start of the, the game, the first game time? Is it 10 p.m. Central? Oh, tomorrow? I thought you meant when people are listening now. No, 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 no. Uh, okay. I was trying to put sorry, myself in sorry. March 7th at 10 p.m. It's fine. Um. Yeah, we, this is a big undertaking today, Adam. Buckle up. Uh, the Netherlands will take on Cuba, kicking off the World Baseball Classic. Adam and, my, and I have privately made jokes that on our agenda, the last bullet point has been World Baseball Classic conversation for weeks. And much like on What's Up With That on Saturday Night Live, Lindsey Buckingham <laughs> does not have enough time to speak. Sorry, we're going to have to ask you to come back next time. But here we are finally talking about the World Baseball Classic. Um and Lindsey Buckingham, uh, who can really, he can really nail a mean guitar solo, Adam. Um, before we get into, you know, what the World Baseball Classic even is, how the pools are shaking out, who we think is going to win, uh, who we think is going to really play a prominent role from the Milwaukee Brewers, I want to uh, get a sense from you about how much you knew about this going into your baseball fandom in general. Obviously, you've spent the last year of your life life following the Milwaukee Brewers. Did you have any kind of knowledge that this was something that was even going on in the background? Obviously, we had our World Cup uh, podcast uh, in the winter when the World Cup was going on, and that's an iconic international competition, whereas this is decidedly not that. But even even though it's kind of off in the background, is this something that you were anticipating uh, being part of your baseball fandom, or did you have no knowledge and not care whatsoever? Absolutely zero knowledge. This is not a thing I think anyone knows about until I see it for myself. I don't know if I fully believe it's real. I guess if I was from a different part of the world, um, if I was from the Dominican Republic, for example, or Mexico or Venezuela, this might be something I have a a much greater idea of, um, even without being a baseball fan just because I'm sure it crops up at the time in those kind of baseball craze countries a little bit more. Uh, I will say that the kind of the penetration into the, the general consciousness, Andrew is zero for this event. And I say that as someone who follows a whole bunch of American people and a lot of Brewers fans on social media for a long time. So 2017, I guess maybe that's part of the problem is it's so long since there was one of these that if I did see anything, I have now forgotten. Um, But no, it really hasn't been something that's been on my radar at all. And if I ever knew anything about it, I definitely had forgotten. Yeah, I think uh, that the general consensus on the World Baseball Classic as a whole is that it's really only for at least in America with Major League Baseball fans, uh, for just baseball-obsessed sickos. And it's like you've just been like hungering for something that's not spring training rather than something that has 
broad appeal. And can I can I ask I a question on that right away? Yeah. Do you think that is tied to what I have observed? And which is kind of puzzling, given, you know, uh, we'll say the very patriotic nature of uh, your country. That there is a massive kind of disinterest or disconnect in a lot of cases with the American sports audience, with international teams and sports. There are notable exceptions. Obviously, the dream team made international basketball, something that people have more than a passing interest in, but that certainly fluctuates from year to year, team to team. And honestly, probably the overall interest level for that is very low. And I'm just being skewed by having a very baseball heavy kind of view or basketball heavy view, I should say, of the US. Um, I think your national sport, not to get into the whole pastime game, all of that kind of stuff, but being what the rest of the world knows as American football certainly also plays a factor in this. There's never an idea of competing on the international stage. I know Americans are crazy for the Olympics, but outside of that, it's even been a journey where I think with each World Cup in soccer, there's more interest, but that takes a bit of getting used to and has been something that has progressed over time. So do you think there's a wider connection to that where I guess American sports fans just aren't that accustomed to, oh yeah, now we're competing in an international landscape, which if we're honest is in part because the sports that are most popular in America are, if not American sports, they're North American sports primarily. Uh, baseball does expand beyond that, but there is still a pretty concentrated geographical base of where the real kind of heart of the interest is coming from. Uh, I think part of it, or my working theory, is that a lot of it has to do more with the history of this event and other events having a history. Because the Olympics, obviously, are this uh, prestigious competition with a history. The World Cup is the same way. And, you know, we've been conditioned as sports fans to care about them every four years when they come about. And all of a sudden, in 2006, you just plop down the world baseball classic and if you say all right care about this i feel like people just aren't really um wired that way um but it's interesting because in comparison to say the dream team or even watching uh nowadays uh when the nba sends a team um essentially to whatever international competition and the expectation is just that the U S is going to wipe the floor with everyone. And it's not even going to be a competition. Whereas in this comp, uh, in this competition, there is a lot of competition at the top. And in theory would be a more interesting thing to follow because there is that degree of suspense. I mean, there's been four editions of this. Japan won the first one. Japan won the second one. The Dominican Republic, uh, won the third one and the United States won in 2017. So it has not been this era of United States dominance. And uh, I think that it really, from a competitive aspect, I'm more interested in in watching this than I am Olympic basketball, just because I know if the U.S. sends their best players, it's probably not going to be a lot of suspense. But uh, I don't know if that has a degree to do with the interest. I don't think it does, or the lack of interest. I don't think it does because... The United States goes into every World Cup knowing that they don't have a chance to win it, and yet you you get people flooding bars to watch a team they only care about once every four years. 
And maybe also baseball as a sport just isn't really set up for that kind of engagement. Uh, This style of tournament is so different to what baseball is uh, as a competition than any other thing that we see in Major League Baseball. I mean, we talk about taking a 162-game sport and shortening it to a five-game sport and now a three-game sport and then a seven-game sport, whereas this is... um, you, know, you have the pool play and then you go just straight single elimination for three games. So it's just it's different to what you're used to uh, as a baseball competition and probably for the better in terms of intrigue when you get down to and anything can happen winner take all. But I just I, I just think the long winded way of saying this is that the World Baseball Classic is weird and we haven't been conditioned as sports fans to place that as something that. This is the thing we're looking forward to every four years, or as American sports fans, I'll say. And this is what how we're going to engage with this, and we're really excited about it. I just don't think it's gotten to that point. And, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know if it ever will, and I don't have an easy reason why. I think it's almost certain not to get to that point, because it's not like the overall popularity of baseball is on the rise, unless we're really underestimating the impact that the pitch clock's going to have. Um, which maybe we are, I don't know. Um, then, yeah, I can't see that turnaround. I don't. I've just always found it fascinating. Um, maybe part of that too is coming from a really small country. If there's anything where it's like Ireland is competing on an international stage, it's like you could get anyone and everyone in this country to buy in in a heartbeat. Um, sports that are not national sports. I'll name one of your favorites for an example. Uh, the Cricket World Cup in the past when Ireland have qualified and all of a sudden they take a scalp. There was a year where we beat Pakistan in what I feel like was the 2020 Cricket World Cup. Um, and all of a sudden everyone was watching cricket and everyone had cricket fever. And that's a real kind of staple uh, the women's hockey, not ice hockey, but field hockey, World Cup. That was another example a couple of years ago. Uh, that's just something that I very closely associate. And, and to be fair, I say that from a small country, but I just have to look to my larger neighbor to uh, the east in the United Kingdom. Great Britain's like that too. I, I think there's a level of that that comes from a lot of the other sports. I, I. I've always felt there's something to the American dominance in a lot of the sports that they're interested in. And I wonder, is it even somewhat off-putting in baseball to go and watch them not be as good? I know your your point with the World Cup and soccer being a case where that's not really the reality of it. But at the same time, it feels like that's just such a significant event of a different type on a global scale where you can't you can't avoid it. I think as much as anything, like the the corporate world and all of this tie-ins kind of brought the World Cup and pushed it to new levels in countries that maybe wouldn't have had the appetite. Um, somewhere like the US probably benefited in that and then better teams and some decent runs over the last 20 years. But I find that dynamic interesting and I'm excited to actually see it play out in real time and observe it. This year's edition is particularly interesting just because of that gap in time that you and I were discussing since the last one. I mean, you have the first one in 2006 and then the next one in 2009, and then the plan was to get it on a four-year cycle like like a World Cup or an Olympics. 
And so you go from 2009 to 2013, 2013 to 2017, and then the COVID throws everything into flux and you have to um, wait until 2023 to, to get the next installment. Um, in the U.S., I I, I want to see the, how these numbers um, turn out this year and see if this this one can be an opportunity for better marketing and better growth. I don't have high expectations for it, but we'll see. Uh it's showing me the, the the viewers in the United States from the finals in 2009 was 1.2 million, 2013 1.1 million, and then when the U.S. made the finals 3.1 million uh, for the final game in 2017, that was U.S. viewers is what it's showing me here on Wikipedia. So I uh, take all this with a grain of salt. Average in te- attendance has increased every year from 18,000 in 2006, 20,000 thousand just over in 2009 so i was actually wrong it went down slightly by about 500 in 2013 and then bumped up to an average attendance of 24,342 in 2017 so what does that look like this year who knows um i guess where we'll go from here is just talk a little bit about the structure this is a tournament that uh in its previous installments was four 14 groups um so 16 uh total teams this year that's expanded to 20 um and they're going to have four five-team groups the top two uh seeds in group a will the top seed will play the runner-up in group b and vice versa same for c and d and then that will take us to yeah that takes us to a single elimination from that point on quarterfinals semifinals and finals uh pool a is going to play their game just before you break down pool a and where teams are going to play the games and just look at the schedule there's one thing that jumps out to me I didn't know until just before we started this. I knew where in the U.S. teams were based because we touched on that for a Brewers perspective. I did not know that this was being held across the world, essentially, and with two hosts in Asia. Um, Looking at Pool A and Pool B, the fact that those quarterfinals get played in Tokyo and then they have a 15-hour flight to get to Miami where four days later they're playing again, that's pretty sick, Andrew. Uh, this is some some wild, wild stuff. That then, when I look at the draw, I don't know how this was made, but the groupings do not seem to be a coincidence. And I think the real heavy hitters, apologies to Japan, are uh, certainly being favored by the travel elements in this this setup too. So that's kind of kind of shocking. Uh, a little, little bit provocative. The idea that Pool A and Pool B, it's like, yeah, you're in Asia, you're in Asia, you're in Asia. Oh, you're gonna fly all the way to Miami to likely get beaten pretty badly as you deal with the jet lag. Uh, we've also, I'm, I'm seeing something on the bracket as well, Adam. Uh, just the uh manufactured nature of some of the things on this. It says if Team Japan moves to the second round, they will play the second quarterfinal game regardless if they're the pool B winner or the pool B runner up same uh same goes for team USA so you know they're really providing some of that home cooking trying to get the uh the premier attract- uh, attraction in the uh the time slot they want to be in so funny how that works out um like you said pool A is being played in Taichung Taiwan pool B in Tokyo Japan pool C in Phoenix Arizona pool D in Miami Florida um Adam I thought we would do one of my favorite words a whistle stop stop tour around the groups and you know if we want to pick 
pick winners and uh, talk about uh, standout players, talk about standout brewers, and go from there. I think sure. that should be our plan of attack. Uh, so number one on the list, pool A. A starts at the beginning of the alphabet, Adam, and that's going to be consisting of Chinese Taipei, Netherlands, Cuba, Italy, and Panama. Uh, one of the interesting things about this tournament in particular is you've got some teams loaded down with um, superstars that are Major League Baseball na- na- uh, mainstays, maybe KBO mainstays, uh, NPB uh, mainstays, and other teams with guys that the casual baseball fan, even the hardcore baseball fan, would not know. And that is uh, an interesting place to start with Chinese Taipei because I know two players on this roster. I know Yu Chang, who has spent some time with the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Tampa Bay Rays in his career. Um, And also, I think he finished last season with the Boston Red Sox, and he changed teams several times in some weird uh, designated for assignment uh, switcheroos throughout uh, the offseason. And then there's another guy that I know in Su Wei Lin, who uh, I think last played in the majors in um, 2021 for Minnesota. He got one game, um, played for Boston from 2017 through 2020. So those are the the only two really familiar faces for me um, on this team. There are a few other guys that I think have uh, spent time in the minors in Major League Baseball um or in major league baseball but really not a lot of household names on the chinese taipei team um i'm not gonna go to you and ask you your thoughts on the roster because uh, this will be <laughs> like that time i was going through the spring training uh box score uh, my thoughts are i'm sure there's some pretty good players that i have no idea about andrew they're they're my thoughts i might have more thoughts on a team like the netherlands like that's they've got Let's something go the- interesting going on Let's go to the Netherlands because I think they're uh, one of the more uh, enticing teams in this uh, group. You got guys like Xander Bogarts, um, who you would expect to start at shortstop for them. Didi Gregorius, who I heard on another podcast, uh, is going to play first base um, uh, for the Netherlands. He's normally a middle infielder. You got Angelton Simmons, who at the top of his career in his prime was one of the best defensive players in baseball, people like Roger Bernadina, who was a MLB veteran. I think he's 38 years old. Vladimir Ballantine. Uh, Jerickson Profar, who is currently unsigned right now, uh, played last season with the Padres, a guy that we mentioned on our uh, on our free agency podcast as back in uh, the middle of the offseason as a potential um, fit for the Brewers. He's going to be playing. His brother Jeremy Profar is there. Former Brewer Jonathan Scope. Uh Catcher Chadwick Tromp, who I believe uh, was recently in the Braves organization, um, and outfielder, uh, infielder Xander Wheel as well. So some names you might know uh, up and down the lineup. In the bullpen, you got Pedro Strope uh, of the famous um, uh, Bob Costas comment that you love so much. Um, so Oh, that's who guys that was. Who, wow. Yes, it was. Uh, Jire Jurgens, a pitcher who was, uh, used to pitch uh, for Atlanta. What's very good. So, and then a lot of guys that uh, don't really have a lot of intel on. But yeah, Adam, what stands out to you about the Netherlands? Who's your pick to click in the uh, the Netherlands roster? Well, I think the obvious answer there is Ander Bogarts. Uh, 
the one thing that stands out to me though, if you're asking me what stands out for the Netherlands roster, it's it's what's missing, Andrew. And it's a player we'll talk about on another team later. Um, but maybe the man with the most Dutch name in all of Major League Baseball, Jordan Tresky's favorite, Lars Nootbaar, who of course had multiple options um on the table for who he would represent and has opted to represent Japan. I mean, the Netherlands possibly still have enough to to make a little bit of noise, at least in their pool, but it feels like a couple of high-profile major league players, and they could be even more interesting. But uh, it's it's nice to see. This is the kind of thing I want out of this, which is the novelty of. I I know we'll get into it, and there's plenty of creativity going on with. I think people finding ancestors from a lot of different countries where needed to go and represent um their their countries in the World Baseball Classic, but that's kind of fun too. And I, I think it's more interesting to be like, oh, the Netherlands, what would they know about baseball? And then to look down the roster and be like, oh yeah, okay, this is a good roster. I like that. That's interesting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, that brings up a great point, Adam, because I want to read the eligibility rules for the World Baseball Classic. Um, there's a lot of bullet points. Uh, the is player, it, is it, does it go beyond like the kind of the grandparent rules, which are FIFA eligibility? If you've got a, a grandparent from a country, you could be eligible. Uh, yeah, it goes beyond that. Uh, <laughs> okay. it's, it's it's very, very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Flexible. A player is eligible to participate on a World Baseball Classic team if any uh, one of the following criteria is met. The player is a citizen of the nation the team represents. The player is qualified for citizenship citizenship, or to hold a passport under the laws of a nation represented by a team, but has not been granted citizenship or been issued a passport. In this case, the player may be made eligible for the WBC upon petition by the player or team. 
The player is a permanent legal resident of the nation or territory the team represents. The player was born in the nation or territory the team represents. The player has one parent who is, or if deceased, was a citizen of the nation the team represents. The player has one parent who was born in the nation or territory the team represents. So you can kind of just like... That's actually, that's that's tighter than I expected. Okay. I was thinking, I thought that just like... Uh, no, that's not that it, loose. I mean, if if it's only going back towards parents, I mean, I feel like they used a lot of words to really narrow it down to you are your parents must either have been born or I thought the passport thing was, was pretty loose. It's like they haven't issued it, but you know they could. Yeah, if but they wanted to. yeah, but that's common. I I know people who've got dual citizenship of countries, and for example, they they live here, and they're just like, I don't need, I don't need that other passport. I've got this passport. You know, I, I feel like that that can happen in those situations. That's a little bit tighter than I thought, and particularly given how some of these rosters have shaped up. Uh, when are we getting my Irish passport sorted? Uh, that's, well, that's gotta, get, be... gotta live here. You gotta get your citizenship. Uh, I'm I'm really hoping we can get that sorted out by 2027, and then I'll be 35. If if Roger Bernardina can play for the Netherlands at age 38, I wow. think I can play for Ireland uh, Ireland at 35, right? Are you on a plane tomorrow? We got to get the wheels in motion on this. Yeah, we'll make it happen after the Milwaukee trip. Uh, next up in the group is Cuba. So standout MLB players from this team. Uh, Yohan Moncada, who plays for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, an awesome <laughs> note here is that Yohannes Cespedes, last seen playing in the, uh, I believe, the Dominican Winter League, uh, who has not played in Major League Baseball um, since the 2020 shortened season with the Mets, is going to be playing for Cuba. So let's see what um, Cespedes still has left in the tank. Uh, who knows? He was a very fun player in his prime. Great throwing arm, hit some towering home runs. So that's a fun story there from uh, Cuba. Also, Luis Robert, also from the uh, Chicago White Sox, going to be playing the outfield there. Um, Andy Abanez, uh, Alfredo Despagna, um, some other names of note, Miguel Romero, um, Rydell Martinez. Uh Cuba, I think, uh, in the past has been thought of as uh, a baseball powerhouse um, and would be someone that would be expected to be formidable in a competition like this. But that's not quite the case um, the way it was when they were the runner-up in 2006. Um, the talent pool has diminished a little bit, and uh, I think in most years it wouldn't have been a it would have been a shock to see them not make it out of the group. And now I think that's a real possibility. Any simple answer for why Cuba is a diminishing global power in baseball? Uh, I don't get into geopolitics on this podcast, Adam. I'll <laughs> save that for Ty Windish. Um, but um, definitely something worth monitoring. Uh, moving on to my favorite team of the group, for obvious reason, Team Italy. Because they've got Sal Freelick ready to roam the outfield and make lots of contact. A lot of guys you might know on this team. David Fletcher, um, Nicky Lopez of the Royals, Vinny Pasquantino of the Royals. I got Ben Deluzio, Dominic Fletcher, Sal Freelick in the outfield, as I mentioned. Mike Piazza is managing this team, despite likely having uh, no qualifications whatsoever to do it, other than being a Hall of Fame baseball player. But, uh, you know, Adam, in a knockout 
single elimination tournament, every pitching change, every substitution matters. And uh, we'll see if Mike Piazza is uh, got what it takes. The only reason you know his name probably is because of when he ran a uh, either third or second division Italian football team into the ground. I don't know if you were familiar with that story and that storyline. Him and his wife bought a team, and it turns out they weren't good at running a team. Um, it goes well for being a manager. It, it really doesn't. Uh, other people of note, uh, catcher Brett Sullivan, Matt Harvey, uh, a pitcher who excelled for a short period of time with the New York Mets, and then injuries really uh, let him down. Uh, Joe Biagini. Uh, but the the real highlight here is Adam getting to watch the man that you dubbed Sultry Sal play in a meaningful baseball game in March. Reggiana was the club, which I didn't I didn't realize. That's who destroyed Reggiana. So that was interesting. Not Sal Freelich, just to be clear, Mike Piazza. Um yeah, I see only three outfielders on this roster. That may be just the way it's being designated for me. And I think I'm sure, uh, yeah. I'm sure there's more Miles, flexibility than that. I would yeah, I hope so. Even for self like, Um but it sets up that we're gonna see quite a lot of self relic. And based on what he showed in spring training, that's very exciting. If he shows up big here, it's got to factor into some things, right? I mean, this is, this is, I guess, the the gifts and the curse of the World Baseball Classic right now. Um, there are a few brewers who were looking good or maybe had things to play for in spring training that the team would want to work some things out for. And they're now jetting off to represent their countries. Sal Freelich really stands out here. Add to that what I guess they already know about him from way back when, from what they saw in spring training. I wonder, does that boost his case to be on the roster, certainly for opening day, but maybe even a little bit more than that? You know, I'd love to see it, Adam. Uh, big fan of the contact. Big fan of everything Sultry Sal. Um, and... uh, do, you, do you think, though, because... Eh... I it's I know it's six years since the last one, so you may even have to rack your brain for this. It might be tough to get a read on. Will the Brewers or MLB teams in general kind of just discard everything that comes from this and just be like it's a completely different thing, or could it at least be kind of a confirmation bias for guys that they've started to like what they're seeing, and if it carries over there too, what like what from that perspective, how should we be approaching this? I don't think it'll factor too much into their decision-making process at all. Uh, This group especially is, or pool, I should say, is probably not the best in terms of having him face really high-level pitching. So he might have been facing better pitching in the first, you know, three innings of a spring training game than he is is facing now. But it it would be like a a nice to have, I would say, but I just can't see that impacting their decision-making. Another thing that I'll shoehorn in (laughs) late, uh, like I did um, for uh, the eligibility rules. Adam, you've been commenting about some of the stupid things about this tournament. Well, I've got another one for you. They're about to play a tournament uh, with rules that reflect uh, last year's version of baseball for the most part, oh. rather than the one they're trying to implement right now. So uh, some of the quirky rules uh, for this tournament, first of all, there's a pitch count to, to protect pitchers. So 65 pitches per game in the first round, 
80 pitches per game in the second round, 95 pitches per game in the championship round. So we're going to see a lot of uh, starting pitchers probably piggybacking and just lots of relievers being used. So, um, okay. Okay. This is why no one's ever going to care about this. Like, seriously, that's that's a big problem if they ever want this to really be a big thing. Oh, that's that goes back to my point about uh, which is, history is and, th- and things mattering, right? It's also you start this what you've got to find a spot in the calendar and you've got to find a spot where everyone agrees on and with it being every four years, you think you'd work that out. But if your solution ends up being, how about we let spring training start and then we start the world baseball classic with less than a month to go until the major league baseball season. That seems not ideal. Yeah, absolutely not. And it's, it goes back to what I'm saying about this tournament has never mattered because of, what it is and when it was introduced and uh a guy will go out and risk his shoulder and his injury to throw 120 pitches to win you a world series game but teams are gonna guard against that kind of thing happening in a world baseball classic game and if the teams themselves are telling you it doesn't matter then you know what (laughs) it kind of doesn't matter um there uh there will be the designated hitter uh for all games in the past their version of the extra inning rule was from 2009 to 2017. And starting in the 11th, teams automatically started with runners on first and second. But for 2023, they will have the the ghost runner rule that we're used to um, from Major League Baseball. Runners on first and second? Yeah, that's what they did from... Wow. Uh, Pure yeah. chaos. Yeah. And so, other than that, I think um, everything's just like pretty standard to the rules of baseball pre-2023. So, no pitch clock. No bigger bases, no ban on shifts. So, uh, essentially, they're playing a well. They're not playing a different sport, but they're playing not the same sport that they'll be playing in uh, the, at the end of March and early April. So, another weird little wrinkle to be added uh, to this. Uh, moving on, we've got another Brewer Adam in this group, and that's Javi Guerra, um, who will be pitching for Panama. So he will be in the bullpen there. Um, a guy who has looked good in the limited action we've seen him in in the spring and someone that probably has an inside shot at making uh, the opening day roster also matt hardy who spent uh last last year with biloxi and nashville will be in the panama um bullpen so interesting to to keep an eye on on those two there other than them christian betancourt uh who a's fans rays fans uh might know um catcher and he's even pitched in his career. A very uh, fascinating player. Ruben Tejada in the infield. Jonathan Arauz, um, Jose Caballero, um, Luis Castillo in the outfield. Uh, Johnny Santos, Jose Ramos. So not a lot of top-end talent on the Panama team. A couple of major league uh, names that people will know. Uh, Randall Delgado uh, for Diamondbacks and Braves fans might remember him. But a team probably not expected to make it very far in this group. But it will be definitely something of note if we get Sal Freelick in the box against Javi Guerra and we can, you know, pretend it's a Brewers uh, simulated game. Did I um, did I just miss it or did you mention Matt Hardy? I did mention Matt Hardy, who spent okay. time with Nashville and Biloxi last year. Yep. Cool. It could have been you thought I was talking about like a classic WWE. Um, I match. did. I did also have that when I was like Matt Hardy, but um, 
No, I just I was worried that you might have missed that. While I was searching, I was like, hey, Matt Hardy's on this team. So no. No, I mean answer. it's 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 easy it would easy be easy to miss because I was like, hey, what if we do a podcast where I read 20 rosters and you're like, yeah, we don't have anything <laughs> else to do. So here we go. Uh I'm gonna pick the Netherlands to win this pool. I'm gonna pick Italy to finish second. Uh final answer. Adam thoughts? <laughs> My thoughts are people should let us know after this if they want the progression to be that next week Andrew goes play by play, inning by inning through every World Baseball Classic game. That we just we um, give the full experience. We just we graduate from doing it for spring training to World Baseball Classic games, not even just those with the Brewers. It's a playback, but it's like a viewing box and you don't see the game, it's just my face reacting to what's happening. Let's move on to Phil B. You didn't pick a winner or a runner-up. Oh, I have, to pick, I have to pick a winner. Well, I'm going to go with... I don't, I'm going to go with the Netherlands. I hope Sal finds a way to, you know... Wouldn't it be fun to see Sal go up against Japan? Like, I think that would be that would be good. So I, I'd be rooting for that. But Panama have some depth, it seems. Like, they may not have the top end talent of some of these other teams but they've got depth and i'm gonna guess that pays off as it often does in baseball this is great because it's like the complete opposite of our world cup podcast where you like knew what formation every manager was gonna throw out and we're just like i I know absolutely not nothing but about as close to nothing as i could possibly know here Pull B, Adam, as we move on. Hopefully that didn't spike too much for you in editing <laughs> later. Apologies, I always forget about that. That is my bad. Uh, Pull B, Japan, Korea, Australia, China, and the Czech Republic. And the heavy hitter in this group is Japan. They've won two ba- uh, World Baseball Classics. Um, the environments in the Tokyo Dome just seem amazing, and this is a team that's going to want to go out and win it. And... The headliner, obviously, is Shohei Otani. We've also got Yu Darvish on the team as well. Uh, Lars Nupar, as you men- mentioned, will be in the outfield uh, for Japan as well, as along with uh, uh, Yoshida, who the Boston Red Sox just signed. Uh, I think Kodai Singa is going to be on this team as well. Actually, he's not on the roster listed here. Interesting. Uh, Yuki Matsui in the rotation. Uh, another pitcher who's um, a name baseball fans might have heard um, from their professional league there, the MPB. Um, yeah, this is a team of guys that are primarily comprised of playing in their home country league, but are uh, when they come together for international competitions, just have a tendency to go out there and perform. And I don't see why that should be any different this year. Um, Japan baseball team is just one of the top international uh like teams out there that you can reliably count on to go deep into competitions um so they won like i said in 2006 which was the first version of this then again in 2009 i uh, finished third place in both 2013 and 2017 so much like uh probably on a higher end level but like we had a conversation about this netherlands team and soccer being just set up to progress through a competition and that's how i feel about japan i feel like the this group is the most we'll get to that later it's the most no-brainer group to pick uh which teams are coming out of it and picking Mm -hmm. japan to top top degree group is just kind of what's going to (laughs) happen 
I have a, a cross sports comp for Japan here. I feel like Japan are kind of like Spain and FIBA competition where they've got their best players are legitimate MLB superstars slash stars. And then they've got a real league. So they have just the kind of cross the roster competence and depth that you tend to get when it's like, oh, it's Spain and the Olympics or the FIBA World Cup. And it's like, yeah, okay, there's always been the Gasols and Ricky Rubio and kind of name guys that basketball fans of the US would know. And you're like, okay, this name is familiar. I don't know this guy. The fact is just they have multiple really strong teams and they play at a really high level, at club level domestically, so that they don't have to be NBA players, or in this case, they don't have to be MLB players, but they have a significant advantage over basically the rest of the competition that isn't MLB. Would maybe I don't know. I, I'm not going to be the person to... There might be an exception. There might be some debate in there that we'll get to, but I'm not going to judge these uh, various international leagues against each other. I'll leave that to you and your expertise. But that's... I I from what I know of Japan, also Japan as a country, like that is a country with a Japan with a baseball culture. Like they really care, they're really invested. So none of that surprises me. And when you've got that, if you're gonna have a really solid team and then at the forefront of all you're gonna have Shohei Otani. Maybe things work out. Like maybe this is uh maybe that competence is just exactly what he doesn't get to experience with the Angels and he'll have a really fun time and they'll go really far. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, but we'll get into how far I think they'll go a little bit later. Um, next up on the list is South Korea. Um, another team that is just expected to be very good on this stage and some names that, uh, we'll all know Tommy Edmonds going to be playing second baseman or second base, excuse me, will be their second baseman, obviously for the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, Padres, uh, middle infielder really can play across the infield, but will play shortstop for South Korea. Hassan Kim, uh, guys like Jung Hoo Lee, Bako Kang, Hai Song Kim. If you watch KBO during, uh, <laughs> during, uh, COVID when it was the first league to come back like I did. Which I know guys. someone who did. <laughs> it, it was me, uh, Sung Bum Na, uh, Hyung Soo Kim, Byung Ho Park, um, and the rotation left-handers, Kwang Hyung Kim and Hyun Jong Yang, uh, veterans that have had inter- MLB experience and are just proven on this stage. And then I was reading about this guy that I was not familiar with earlier today, Woo Suk Go, who has a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, and is uh, a compliment in the bullpen to Wu Young Jung, who's a side armor with a fastball slider combination Ooh. that seems like absolutely devastating to face if you're in the right handed side of the batter's box. So South Korea, um, again, just a, a very well, well put together team with guys you know, some guys you don't. And I love KBO. Um, that period where I was just so starved for sports that I was just like waking up at five in the morning to watch KBO games, I actually look up back on that time fondly uh, just because it, it's, it wasn't quite the same as what I'm used to for Major League Baseball, but it was a league with its own style, its own um, just like pace of play, it, its own unique culture around uh, the fan experience, uh, especially as they got later on into the season and they allowed fans to come back. I, thought, I think it's just a, a really awesome league, and if I ever get to Seoul or something like that, I'm going to... Um, 
eat tons of barbecue, drink some soju, and and go to some games. Uh, so that's on the vacation bucket list. Um, any 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 thoughts on that, Adam? I don't, I put you at a really tough spot today. <laughs> this is this is like I don't think I've ever put you in this tough a spot, even on our movie podcast. Um, no, my my overall takeaway there are obviously some top line guys that I am familiar with again on this team. Um, from their MLB exploits, Tommy Edmond. Obviously, we see a lot of uh, Kim with the Padres. We see a lot of him too. It's the same thing, though, and I think this is what you're alluding to when this is an easy pool to like work out who's going to advance. They've got what Japan has going for them to an extent, too, where it's just real competence. Real league, it gives you the kind of depth that you're going to require and sprinkle in some MLB talent, and they should be pretty well set up. Uh, next up is Australia, um, another team or a, a step down now in in quality when you go from Japan and South Korea to the rest of this group. Australia guys you might know include Aaron Whitefield, Warwick Seppold, and Daryl George. Uh, Seppold, a really uh, right-handed pitcher, and George and Whitefield were outfielders. They've got uh, a prospect right-handed pitcher, Kyle Glosky, who's in the Reds organization, and then uh, and obviously you have Alex Hall um, in the Brewers organization, who we saw get his cup of coffee last year and what was a in- unique moment. Um, I'm trying to say interesting, yeah, less on the pod crunching game tapes. Uh, you find things out Adam. Uh Chris <laughs> Oxpring uh, and uh, Sapold and 45 year old right-hander Chris Oxpring are the only uh, pitchers on the staff with major league experience. So yeah, going to be a tall order for Australia to make it out of this group. If they had some, Crazy upset over Japan and South Korea. That would be entertaining, but uh, I I want the top top teams to get out of this group. Uh, China, expected to be one of the weaker teams in this group. Uh, Guys you might know, Ray Chang, Yusuke Masago, uh, Li Ning, who's a catcher, Chang's a shortstop, Uh, Masago's an outfielder. They finished, I think, dead last in 2017 and are not a team that should be expected to make it to the quarterfinals would be a massive upset and dare I say an impossibility for that to happen uh, but I don't want to be too mean uh, that brings us to the Czech Republic Adam this one's fun because we've got former brewer Eric Sogard uh, making the team uh, other guys that I know weirdly enough the Czech Republic is one team that I've got some familiar familiarity with some of their players uh, they've got Merrick Schloop who is an um, outfielder who started his college career at NC State University, now is transferred to North Greenville, which is a Division II school, and he's absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. And then also Wojta Minchik, uh, who played third base on a lot of very good NC State baseball teams. So along with those two in Sogard, their names I know, so very happy about that. Um other than that, uh, not a lot of names I know on this roster. And the Czech Republic, along with China and Australia, face a tall order in getting out of this pool. Uh, so I gave you a speed round there, Adam, because I felt really, really, really bad. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I mean, it wouldn't have delayed things much more if you'd asked me for my thoughts on Australia, China, and Czech Republic. Except I would have said, Alex Hall, that was interesting. Yes, it was. I think uh, we're, we're excited for all the Alex Hall moments we get in the World Baseball Classic. 
Adam, I'm transitioning, or I'm in picking this pool. Japan won South Korea too. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I don't think, even with my minimal knowledge, um, this one is very uncomplicated. Adam, I've got I've got knowledge for you now that you're very familiar with. Are you familiar with the team, the United States of America? I've heard of those guys. They seem to be pretty good. The U.S. headlines Pool C with Mexico, Colombia, Canada, and Great Britain. Adam, the talk of the town. What town am I referring to? I don't know. Any town. Uh, going into the World Baseball Classic has been the and anticipation that the Dominican Republic was going to have the best lineup. But I think from one to nine, the U.S. might have the best position player pool. We'll talk about the pitchers in a minute. But... I mean, just the assortment of players they have to choose from. JT Romuto and Will Smith as their catchers. They invited Kyle Higashioka as well. Not sure why. Uh, maybe he's just like a really good vibes guy. Um, because unless Romuto or Will Smith get hurt, I don't anticipate him spending a single inning behind the dish. In the infield, Pete Alonzo, Paul Goldschmidt uh, at first base. Nolan Arenado will hold down third base. Tim Anderson, Trey Turner, Bobby Witt Jr., in the outfield, Mookie Betts, Jeff McNeil, Cedric Mullins, Kyle Schwarber, Mike Trout, Kyle Tucker. Uh, just like when you build out a one through nine of best hitter at every position, this is a team that might just come in here and straight up mash. My one counter to this, and I haven't, I haven't gone through the exercise of like, what would my uh, pitching core look like if I was building? A USA baseball roster for the World Baseball Classic. I feel like there's a lot left on the table here, though. There's a lot not going to be in this squad. So I fully get and don't disagree with what you're saying about position players. But is the pitching really at the level that it could be or the best that's that the US the, Yeah, that's my entire it? point. Is but that is that one... your, but what, what is your answer to that? I don't want you just posing the question. I want you the answering it. The answer is this lineup is going might have to make up for this pitching staff in, in certain areas. I mean, the pitch limits are going to impact it in areas, but in terms of starters, you're relying on old man Adam Wainwright. Uh, it, and is what? How old is he? he was born in 1981. I should 41. be able to do that math. It's wild. 41-year-old 40, 40, Adam Wainwright. At the beginning of his spring training ramp up, he must be last quite the season, patriot, Andrew. He must be quite the patriot. No, he is. I heard him on a podcast talk about how he just imagined himself in that U.S. jersey, and he did like a reveal thing of him with like a flag or something. I don't remember, but uh, big patriot, huge patriot. Uh, and hence, so him, Michaelis, Lance Lynn, Merrill Kelly, Kyle Freeland in the rotation. It's like okay, they're better guys. There were lots of better guys. I guess they didn't, they didn't want to come. Uh, the bullpen, I, could, I think, could I could, be pretty I good. I could think of two guys that could have could have looked pretty nice on this this roster, starting pitching options. Yeah, uh, I think the bullpen could be good with Devin and um, mm-hmm. David Bednar, Jason Adam. As much as I hate him, because you know he just freaks out over, uh, you know he he decided to be a bigot. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> Bed Bednar and Devin was what was that? Was that seven and eight or the eight and ninth of the All Star game last year? Like that's 
they were uh, piggybacking off each other then too. So that's, I guess that's kind of right around best case scenario. Yes, but to to, to yours and my larger point, is this I, a team that's going to have to slug to win? And I say yes. And I mean, we're I don't want to jump the gun because we're not at those teams yet. But I do think some of these other teams will also be capable of slugging to win. So... I don't. I mean, it's a very good roster, and I think should make for some really great games if they do find themselves if the draw breaks the the right way and we get a lot of the heavy hitters against each other. I don't know though. There is definitely there's a little bit of something in the pitching department in particular. Is is this just a lot of guys not wanting to go too? Is is that how the roster is being shaped like this in a situation like the U.S.? Yeah, that's part of kind of the calculus with every World Baseball Classic, guys not wanting to go, teams not wanting guys to go, and then you leave yourself with not really the best of the best. It, it was like the, it's, it's. I mean, I, I guess it's the conversation that happens with the U.S. men's national basketball team now, where it's, it's, it's not the thing where the elite guys want to do it anymore. We had the dream team, we had the redeem team, um, and all of that, and now it's just kind of who wants to play. Uh, it's, so it's obviously it's, a lot easier for top position players to go and do it too, and yeah, I, cannot, I, mean, I can that, only imagine the disruption to your your preparation for the new season as a pitcher. Um, I guess even something like that that pitch limit, I I wonder how ideal that is as at a point where I guess you're not going to be going like that in spring training anyway. But when it, you're it you're starting to, me... to prepare yourself even mentally for the ramp up to to be pitching a whole lot more than that. And you're going to be in games of consequence here, and yet you're still going to have this hard cap. It's kind of weird. It was a dynamic. It seems commiserate with like how you would extend yourself out throughout a spring, just based on the timing. But yeah, it is another added factor there that is just different than what you would normally be doing in March. So that's, that's a factor. And you really you're don't want to control wanna... freak. You're not going to sign up for that, which I'm sure most pitchers are. Yeah, I mean, you think of a guy like, I mean, I don't know where he was in the decision-making of whether or not he would go or not, but Corbin Burns strikes strikes me as a guy whose preparation is everything for him. And if him and the other pitchers like that uh, are like, all right, go play in this exhibition tournament that nobody cares about and we haven't done for six years, and you're like, what? I'm... I might get traded in midseason. I might get traded this offseason. I'm two years away from trying to get the biggest paycheck of my life. Why am I going to put any degree of risk into doing this thing that's so different than my normal routine? So that that makes a lot of sense. Do you think that also um, answers? Because one of the things that struck me, particularly when you look at the pitchers, um, David Bednar, Kyle Freeland kind of being the only exceptions. Well, you've got Devin, I suppose, too, and Brady Singer. Everyone else is over 30. Like, I know in baseball, not unusual, but you can see the age range and also be like, okay, a lot of these guys have probably got their their payday. Um, doesn't mean there won't be more paydays to come, but there, there's probably a certain class of player that's even more wary of this than some others. Yeah, and I imagine when you get to that, like Adam Wainwright stage of his career, especially for him, and then even guys in their mid thirties, they're like, yeah, this is just another experience. I can check off a box as I'm getting to the end where it's something that I recognize the moment and think it's cool. Whether rather it being an impediment to my further development as a player or like 
taking like away earnings from something. potential or whatever. Yeah. Like it's, or he's playing with not money be- already if you're out of mind. Yeah. Or like not being available for something that I've actually been dreaming about my whole life, which is a World Series or sitting at an arbitration table. I don't know. Um, <laughs> now I think we'll, we'll move on to – I don't want to put words in your mouth, Adam, but I think this is the adopted team of Cruising for a Bruising. I don't want to say a cruiser for a bruising. I'll let you make your own decisions. It's certainly my team. I mean, Roddy Telez is representing Mexico, so I'm representing Mexico. That's how this goes. Um, we've got Luis Arias beyond that to add some more brewer's flavor here. Um, whether it is the team of cruising for a bruising, I don't know. That could be your decision. Victor Castaneda, isn't that another... Brewers Rock, connection yes. on on the roster, but um yeah, rowdy tree homers, just casually in spring training, and now he's just gonna head off and hit a bunch of dingers at the World Baseball Classic. I hope this is another sneaky good and deep lineup. I think um obviously you've got the headline name star power for the U.S., but like you mentioned, Urias, I'm bought in on the. Arias bounce back season. I need to get that takeout early. Just if it's wrong, I go down. Uh, I go down swinging. Rowdy Telez, Isak Paredes, um, for the Rays. Joey Manessis, who came up in a fifty-six game sample size with the Nats last year and just absolutely mashed. Um, he's thirty years old, so not necessarily uh, a prospect, you know, breaking out, but maybe he's a guy that can do that again in a small sample size. Uh, Austin Barnes from the Dodgers, but behind the plate. Uh, Randy Rosarena in the outfield from Tampa, Jaron Duran from Boston, Alec Thomas from the uh, D-backs, and Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox as well. So some some names you'll know there. And the rotation, uh, Tuan Walker, Jose Urquidy, Julio Arias, Patrick Sandoval. Um, so some some sneaky good uh, starting pitchers in that mix. Luis Sessa, um, and then probably the guy that will try and nail down things in the ninth inning, Giovanni Gallegos. Um Oliver Perez is listed listed on this roster that I got here from MLB.com. Uh, so that that's a that's a throwback. He's the born in the same year as Adam Wainwright, so you, He's you know, forty one years old. Also, you see these sorts of things uh, popping up in this competition, which is another thing that I love about this flawed competition. It's like some random forty one year old who's like, "Yeah, let's give it another shot." So that's Team Mexico. Uh, next up on the list is Colombia. Um, so the team probably expected to factor towards the bottom of this list or this group, I should say. Uh, guys like Jose Quintana, uh, Julio Tehran, are, are names you might know uh, that are potential from the rotation. Uh, Jorge O'Faro at catcher, who recently signed a minor league deal with the Red Sox after performing well in the winter league. Gio Urshela. Um, Oscar Mercado in the outfield, Harold Ramirez in the outfield as well, might do some THing as well. And uh, Dilson Herrera, I forgot about him. He could be in the mix. Not a lot else for me to say about this. Not a team I'm expecting much from in this pool. Moving on to America's other neighbor, Adam, the neighbor to the north, Canada. Um, Behind the plate, Bo Naylor, uh, who's a Cleveland Guardians uh, player. Freddie Freeman will man... Mm -hmm. Uh, first base, Abraham Toro, a guy who has looked, you know, pretty good at spring training. I'm kind of, uh, I'm really warming to Toro's game um, after seeing some hard hit balls and me overreacting as I'm known to do during this time of year. 
Um, so, Tyler so on that, on that, how do you feel about particularly? I think Abraham Toro and Sal Freelick are the two off the top of my head. I mean, Javi Guerra as well has a chance. Like there, there are other players in the mix, but Toro really has something to play for and to tie down, and was doing quite well. How do you feel about him? as a brewer leaving spring training to go and play the world baseball classic. Like I, I, it's one thing to say, okay, your performance here may not factor in, but what does the absence in Arizona do at this point? Um, Particularly for so him, who's a, new enough that, in the organization still. That's a, so from an like internal him getting to know the organization standpoint, I feel like it's a kind of a drawback. But I feel a little bit differently than I do about what his performance here would mean than Freelix, weirdly enough, because Freelix, a, a prospect expected to be a long-term uh, impact player in this organization. To a degree, they know what they've got in Sal Freelick, and it's just, do they want to play games with uh, timeline manipul- manipulation? With Toro, I feel like he can really benefit from playing nine innings in all of these games. And it's not one of the typical spring training, you know, four or five inning samples to at bats, And then you're out of the game. I think Toro getting like a chance to either hold down third base or hold down second base for a full game. And despite what we said about the U S is pitching um, depth and Mexico's pitching depth. He's in a, in a pool where he will face off against good teams and good pitchers and get a chance to prove himself. So, I agree with what you're saying that coming in, trying to win a job and being away from the organization that you're new to probably isn't the best thing in the world. But I, I kind of love what this is as an opportunity for him to play full nine innings of meaningful baseball after a really tough 2022 season. Well, that's fair. I don't I didn't expect to go glass half full there. Normally, normally I'm such a, a negative Andy. Can, um, can I ask another? Can I ask a question on your neighbor just before you move on? Why? Why is Canada? Is it the cold weather? Is that why Canada is not more of a baseball country? Is it the Expos being you know killed off, taken away from them? What is the reason why there is not a deeper baseball heritage in Canada? I guess. I w- I would assume it's the the cold weather and the Expos thing not helping, but Toronto when they're good like have great crowds and mm-hmm. like Jose Batista hitting home runs in front of people just absolutely going crazy is uh something that's pretty cool. So I think it's just kind of a hot and cold thing. But then again, I say Toronto, but Canada's a large, large country with different um pockets of people that care about different sports. I mean I imagine I would guess that people in Calgary and Edmonton do not give a shit about baseball, but I don't yeah, know I guess I guess the hockey competition is also a big factor here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's cold. Let's play on the ice or let's go indoors. Like, they're <laughs> the window for them to develop baseball players is shorter. It's like what we always talk about in our Discord. Shout out Discord users about uh, how much of an advantage Southern college baseball teams have over the Northeast. If you if you're a quality team in the northeast you have to go take virtual classes in florida for four weeks so that your players can actually play uh shout out sal freelick for uh surviving that that system at boston college uh sal freelick also uh, a former hockey player i don't know if you knew that adam but you don't know that 
uh, in the rotation as well, I forgot to mention former Brewer John Axford. Um, not quite as old as Adam Wainwright, but, you know, born in 1983. So he will be turning, or he just turned 40. Uh, good for John Axford, giving it a go. Uh, other names you might know in that pitching he's, rotation. He's, ter- he's 39, just to get out in front of him. He turns 40 on it, April 1st. This says March 1st, so MLB.com is wrong. I'm on Wikipedia, so maybe, maybe that's right, but something is wrong. If anything we've said today is wrong, it's MLB.com's fault. I just want to put that out there. We're used to going at the powers of B, so why not just address Manfred directly to his face? Uh, Philip Almont, Matt Brash, Andrew Albers, Adam Lowen, Scott Matheson, Cal Quantrill, who I guess would be their their ace um, if we're if we're going to qualify someone as one. Uh, I believe, is he the, hold on one second. We're going to do a quick bit of research because Adam has not spent enough time um on this with me oh tell um, me what exactly while you're while you're looking this up just so you can hear yourself say that led to what are we looking up here uh how Contra's are... dad was uh legendary i'd say that with a grain of salt uh canadian pitcher uh paul Quantrill. that's what i was looking up sorry i'm glad i'm glad we got the tip it right okay um that brings us to Great Britain, the team that Adam is going to be rooting against in full force. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I don't know who listens to our podcast. I have, I have nothing against the, you know, no disrespect to this sad sack team. I was looking at this roster. I would have thought they'd be able to get just a little bit more, but it seems like they have not. Yeah, going through the list, uh, what name stands out? Pretty much just Trace Thompson. Harry Ford also, maybe, if you know who he is. I think he's, uh, what organization is he in? This is what happens in the World Baseball Classic. You just get, yeah, he was a a first-round pick of the Mariners in 2021, so from Kennesaw, Georgia, and playing for Great Britain. So that is a fun fact. If I've I ever heard one, Adam. I don't. I wonder how the Trace Thompson thing even comes about. Um, I don't. I was based on the parents, Alan. I am Michael Thompson. I believe was born in the Bahamas. Yeah, I'm right on that. I know. I know. Um, the Thompsons' mother was a volleyball player. Maybe yeah, she could have been born in, born in the UK. I don't know. Um. Also, Adam, as we've established, these why is it clay? Why does it clay play for? Wrong. Why does it clay play for? I mean, it's on the Wikipedia one too, but that might be taken from the MLB one. And why does the clay play for Great Britain too? I feel like that would add something a little bit interesting. Also, being Clay's character to just be like, "Yeah, I'm going to do the thing that people aren't expecting here." That's a great question, Adam. I think uh, the next time the Warriors have a press conference, someone needs to push the issue. In this group, we have predictions to make, and then we got one more, and then you can get on with your evening and watch a movie. I love you, friend. Excited to meet you in person soon. Hope you don't punch me in the face. Um, USA going, 1, Mexico 2. I'm going Mexico 1, USA 2. Wow. All of that, yeah. all that you said about the U.S. roster, and you're having them come second in the pool. I'm Adam, I'm a shitheel at heart, and I am... Just I, I, ha- I had to go out on a limb somewhere because is, I'm is not Rowdy going to tee that. off on the U.S.? Is that what you were predicting? 
uh, Rowdy is going to hit an Adam Wainwright curveball. Oh, I love in, that. Into the moon. Might <laughs> okay. bust in the stadium. Sorry, American friends, but that sounds that sounds good from a Brewers perspective. Pool D, uh, the runner-up in 2017, managed by the absolutely hated on this podcast, uh, Yadier Molina, is Puerto Rico. Um, I was very confused. I thought we were going in alphabetical order, and I was like, "There's no way Israel was the runner-up last time out." Oh, sorry. I'm. Again, MLB.com is 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 the culprit. <laughs> they're they're showing their favorites. They're showing favorites. Yeah. So direct all complaints to their customer service or your own trash can. I don't care. You pick. Uh names of note. Nelson Velasquez from the Cubs organization. Eddie Rosario. Um Francisco Lindor, obviously probably the one of the, the biggest stars on this team. Javier Baez used to be a star. He's fallen off a little bit, uh, especially last year with the Tigers. But uh, the iconic, and I'll give credit where credit is due, the iconic tag uh, on the stolen base attempt by Javier Baez did come in a Puerto Rico jersey in that 2017 World Baseball Classic. So credit where credit's due. I would imagine uh, Lindor will play shortstop and Javier Baez will play second but we'll see how that shakes out uh Kike Hernandez from the Red Sox who will probably be their opening day shortstop will likely be playing center field for this team if I had to guess so something to monitor there behind the plate um Martin Maldonado Christian Vasquez as an option uh in the pitching rotation obviously you've got um, Edwin Diaz and Alexis Diaz holding down the back half of that bullpen. Uh, starting pitchers, Jose Barrios. And here's a very notable one. Marcus Stroman, who mm-hmm. pitched for the 2017 U.S. team that beat Puerto, Ro- Puerto Rico in the final, uh, oh. is, now rep- is now representing Puerto Rico. Well, that's quite a journey. I'm sure someone has already, or if they haven't, they will write a really great article on that soon. I'll either seek it out or I'll read it at the time. Um, will there be trumpets, Andrew? That's my my key question here with this roster. There better be. Uh, Marcus Stroman was the tournament's most valuable player for the U.S. and went six scoreless innings uh, against Puerto Rico in that championship. And now he is representing <laughs> wow. them. So... Uh, a, a wild turn of events that I just think is it, it points to the to a degree the unseriousness of this competition but it's also one of the reasons I really love it because that's that's something you can't you, you're not you're not gonna see that at the World Cup Adam you're right you're not gonna see that at the World Cup ah it's the tone of your voice there uh, you said it all without saying anything I know it shows so well folks. <laughs> uh, yeah I think Timmy Trumpets needs to be needs to be a factor uh, in in these games because uh, anyway, moving on to Venezuela, another formidable opponent in this group. I think this group is the group that I would deem the group of death because I think you've got That's three unfair. teams for two. You've got yeah. three teams for two spots. Um, for Venezuela, the headliner is obviously Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Atlanta Braves, a guy who spent last year recovering from a knee injury and is hoping to be uh, fully healthy for this season and seems to be ready to go. I think there was talk that he wasn't going to play in this, and now he is. And uh, 
as much as it hurts my heart, that's good for the game of baseball because he's a very exciting player. Uh, David Peralta, Anthony Santander, uh, Miguel Cabrera listed here as a designated hitter. Uh, we'll see if he factors into to the competition at all. Um, Jose Altuve, Luis Arias uh, of the offseason trade from the Twins to the Marlins, former Brewer Eduardo Escobar, Andres Jimenez from the Cleveland Guardians organization, Hernan Perez, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Glaber Torres, uh, catcher's options, uh, Robin Petrinos, Omar Narvaez, Salvador Perez, old friend Omar Narvaez, on the mound, Pablo Lopez, Jesus Lazardo, um, Darwinson Hernandez, Ulysse Chassin. Uh, so this has, I think, a pretty broad uh, swath of a lot of former Brewers. Bring in Chassin. Yeah. I mean, we only saw Chassin on playback not that long ago. Yeah, and not everyone on this list will will be carried in the official games. But like I said, you know, we're we're, we're providing uh, the the full context that MLB gives us. Martin Perez, Eduardo rodriguez but uh venezuela should be formidable uh really really good a lot of really good players there next up the the team that i think most would have settled on as favorites going into this and that's the dominican republic uh they can put a lineup together that uh would strike fear into anyone uh guys like juan soto julio rodriguez elo jimenez Jeremy Pena, Cattell Marte, Manny Machado, Wander Franco, Raphael Devers, Willie Adamas will likely be a guy who probably does not start for this team, I'd say, given some of the other options that they have at shortstop. Um, but would love to see Willie get into some games as well. Behind the plate, Francisco Mejia and Gary Sanchez. Uh, options on the mound, Joel Piamps uh, of the Brewers organization trying to win a job in the bullpen. Uh, Rafael Montero, Christian Javier. Um, Johnny Cueto, Diego Castillo, Sandy Alcantara, obviously the headliner and the ace of this staff, and then uh, available to DH, who uh, is who, a person that is also the general manager of this team for this process, Nelson Cruz. <laughs> this, to me, although there is elements of it where you're like Nelson Cruz, uh, Robinson Cano, uh, this is a real murderer's row. I, I see what you're saying about the U.S. position players, Andrew, but you look at the position players available to the Dominican Republic, and the same applies, and possibly then some in some cases. So I think I don't if know. You could I know play, you, if you could you, play. You bleed red, white, and blue, Andrew. <laughs> but I I think shout out Newmont. This is this is a this is a tough one for the U.S. If this if they are a look. There's a lot of stuff that has to play out. Anything can happen, Andrew, in this kind of weird format. But um, this is a formidable team. And I think the reason so many people see you picking them is very apparent when you go down the roster. I think if they were like, can we just let one of our other infielders hit for our catcher? Then they'd be even in a much better spot. Uh, moving on, uh, Team Israel. Uh, probably the... Most notable player out of this group actually might be, uh, oh, no, it's it's Jock Peterson. Other than Jock Peterson, uh, the most notable guy might be Matt Mervis, who figures to um, make a big impact for the Cubs this year. He's a guy who really exploded uh, onto the scene in the minors last year. 
uh, played Robert as college Stock, base. Of course, the most notable from our perspective. That is true. Um, uh, Alex Dickerson, other former MLB players of note, uh, A's prospect Zach uh, Geloff as well will factor into the the infield mix there. Danny Valencia, uh, MLB veteran. Yeah, behind the plate, Garrett Stubbs of the Phillies, a long time uh, guy who's bounced between MLB and minor league baseball. Ryan Lavarnway also behind the plate, like you said, Robert Stock figuring into uh, the the pitching mix there. Also, Dean Kramer, uh, Adam Kolarik, Rob Kaminsky, uh, Richard Blyler uh, from I believe last uh, season uh, spent in the Marlins organization, if I'm remembering that correctly. Oh, actually, he ended up in uh, Boston after the offseason, so I forgot about that trade. Um, yeah, uh, uh, a fun team. I, I want to – can I plug another podcast, uh, even, even though sure. I shouldn't do that? <laughs> um, uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue, uh, the Barbcast, I, I uh, can't remember. They uh, they're really tapped into, like, the, the Jewish baseball community, and so they have a lot of personal relationships with these guys. So on their World Baseball Classic preview – uh, they were able to give a lot of contacts on some of the guys that they've interviewed and have become uh, friends of the podcast. So that was uh, kind of enlightening and cool. Uh, moving on to the last team in the group, and this also has a, a Brewer prospect of interest. Carlos Rodriguez will be pitching for Nicaragua. Um, other than that, on this roster, not a lot of go- guys that um, I'm familiar with. Alex Blandino. Uh, being one that does not fit that description, but uh, we will be locked in on anytime Carlos Rodriguez is on the mound. Uh, Jonathan Loizaga factors in as well, Rasmo Ramirez, but uh, Team Nicaragua is really just a, a showcase for Carlos Rodriguez to show why he's going to be just a, a future like mainstay of the Milwaukee Brewers pitching staff. I like the sound of that, Andrew. That's what I hope to get out of all of this. Just Brewers having a great, great World Baseball Classic and then bringing that back with them to the Milky Brewers. Dominican Republic one in the group. Venezuela number two is my prediction. Uh, I know this is the tough one. I think I agree with that. Puerto Rico are pretty good to have that be a reality. It really, that's someone's cooked the books with this draw. Some of these other pills are so, so bad. And then pill D is pretty stacked. Um, you know what? I, I like the look of Venezuela, so I'm going to go with that. But I guess Venezuela, Puerto Rico could be one of the best and most important games of the pool stage. Maybe the most important game of the entire pool stage. Uh, that's a a very good point. Uh, I think going through each pool, my most anticipated game from A was Netherlands, Italy. B was Japan, South Korea. C was Mexico, USA. But my one, my one game that I didn't uh pick from the two winners I selected was Venezuela versus Puerto Rico because it could be for that final spot to advance. Do we do we want to map out what we just did? Or are we going to call it a day, Adam? Thoughts? Hey, you just. Just, I think we call winners. I mean, you can go like semifinals if you want, or if you if you want, you can do your quarterfinal, semifinal, final. I'm not going to hold you back. Sounds good. I'll just unleash it right now. Uh, I in the finals, 
I have the Dominican Republic over Japan. I think I think the Dominican Republic win the whole thing. I hadn't mapped out. Japan are really the only heavyweight on that other side of the draw, right? This is the thing. The draw is the draw is a problem. And that looking at it, I guess there's geographical elements. Well, maybe not. I mean, you've got Italy and the Netherlands on that side. It's stacked in a way that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and I don't think it's going to give baseball its best matchups in the most important games necessarily. So, I, you know what? I don't think you're going out on a limb. I think Japan... Dominican Republic, that's that's probably the call. My only question, Andrew, is what was your whole, you know, Patriot bit? What was your whole look at this Team USA roster when you still end up picking Dominican Republic? And you didn't uh, even pick the, the US to top the group. Yeah, to uh, to peel back the curtain and the quarters I had, the way I mapped it out and doing my bracket and then this could just be all wrong i had the u.s losing to the dominican republic there i had mexico beating venezuela and then i had the dominican republic over mexico so my loyalties to the point where i was picking with my heart went to mexico and not to the united states it's a vibes thing that lineup should not lose games that pitching staff might lose them games mm. i'm interested to see that play out if i in fact can see any of these games which is very much TBD on the international front. Therein lies the issue. But the good news is, did you never have to do this again? I I look, I wish I had more information on this. Uh, I could possibly have more information next time if I get to see this one, but we'll see. It's not, None of this is for lack of interest. This sounds right up my street. If this was last offseason and this was how we started the whole thing, I think I'd be even more of a baseball sicko than honestly I can comprehend. So I'm, I'm into this. I just don't know if the universe is going to let me be into it. I, I also just think it's, I think the whole thing is ridiculous as in the timing of this event being in the middle of spring training. The two things should be separate. Um, your schedules should be adjusting to make room for this if that's what it requires, but yeah, just it being dropped in at this point, I think is wild and kind of just in my head makes it really hard. Even we've been we've been ramping up and the Brewers are ramping up and not only are like <laughs> are the Brewers going to be playing real games soon, we're going to be at those real games they'll be playing soon. And it's like, oh, in the meantime, let's just put this major international tournament where a lot of those players are going to go off and play. It's crazy. So I'm still coming to terms with that i hope i get to see some of these games um i i also think the purely global element of this is just insane i what are what are they doing here pick a host country have it in japan one time four years later to the u.s like rotate around and go to korea do one in australia but again all this comes back to finding a i guess a better spot in your schedule and working out a way that make sense for everyone with this but yeah i guess they're they're my takes for now you're you're i think suspecting that i've got some sort of apathy towards the world baseball classic which is very far from the truth i just i just don't know i don't know what i don't know even Andrew. 
It's it's not that. It's the fact that I made you listen to me list off rosters. That's that's where the apology comes in. Not in the actual interest in the games itself. I do have a mea culpa day issue, not just to you. Um, and name pronunciation. Um, uh, help me out if I got it wrong. Uh, Michelle Vassalotti playing for Team Italy and Alex Claudio for Puerto Rico. So I missed those two Brewers. Uh, uh, Brewers angle interests when I was listing the roster. So mea culpa. I, I noticed Claudio at the time, but you were powering on at that point, and I was like, okay, you, you don't want to interrupt the flow. I did that last week, and look what happened. Uh, but look, these things happen. A lot of players. Oh, you listed out, a lot of players this episode, Andrew. Yeah. If anyone wants to recreate this podcast, scroll MLB.com and just click on rosters <laughs> until you're until you're satisfied. Listen, if people know anything about this podcast, if they've learned anything this offseason, we love lists. Lists are great. Lists of players on rosters, lists of prospects, whatever it might be. We love lists. Yeah, I write oh. them down on a yellow loose-leaf sheet of paper. All right, that does it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's Cruising for Bruising. We're also on Repod. Join Repod.com for such Cruising for a Bruising. And that's a place you can go and listen to our podcast, all your favorite podcasts. If you're looking for a new podcast player of choice, download the app. It's really, really great for staying up to date with all of your favorite pods, plus being able to interact with, in our case, the hosts, the creators of your favorite podcast, but also a lot of listeners. You can go to our room and uh, repod. You can share any thoughts you might have. If anyone wants to push back on my World Baseball Classic takes, I mean, you can go and do that in Repod, I guess. And uh, we'll be happy to happy to go back and forth with you. Other than that, Milwaukee Books, we've got the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, home to Eurostep and Win in Six. Talk of the Tundra, home to all things Green Bay Packers. Make time for this our pop culture and other things podcast here on the Eurostep Podcast Network, hosted by myself and Andrew. And we'll be previewing the Oscars over there later this week. And that's pretty much it for now, Andrew. GSPN.info for details on anything else. If you want to come and watch a Brewers game with us, go fill out the form there. We'll be shutting that form down, I think, very, very soon. So last chance, if you're interested in watching the Brewers, watching the Bucks with us and the whole GSPN crew, Tuesday the 4th of April, if my memory is serving me well, and put your details in and we will be in touch with where the event will be taking place. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Wait, I just thought of another obscure baseball player. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>